Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. I don't like event planning um, and that is what is required to make a giant gala show and party that we are doing right now. I used to not like fundraising and just to sort of put things in order of dislike, I would actually fundraise instead of event plan. Um, the problem with event planning is that there's just so many details to remember and there's like this fear of forgetting things and you have to make projections about how many you'll need before you have. And thank God everything always comes together in the end. At our last event, we had 500 seats and we had 500 people and people walked out of the All-Star Awards um, saying that it was the proudest they'd ever felt to be Jewish. They didn't have words to describe how they were feeling right now. They've never felt so proud to be from in their lives. And after it was over, I was so um, exhausted and I realized I have to do this again because this is such an important thing for the Jewish people. Um, I have to muster up the strength. And I took a year off um, because it is really, really exhausting to plan such a big party with all these details and also the fundraising and also all the um, projections and predictions before it's happened and the publicity. Um, but we really feel like when we do these all-star awards, this is something special that we're giving to the Jewish people every time we film a new all-star. And just for those who are listening for the first time, Jew in the City is an organization, a nonprofit, whose mission is to reverse negative associations about religious Jews. Um, and we do that by putting forth an approach based on kindness tolerance, sincerity, and critical thinking. Or in other words, menschlichkeit, erlichkeit, and seichel. Those key ingredients are what make being a religious Jew a positive thing. We also make engaging and meaningful orthodoxy known and accessible. So that's why we're here, to show every Jew what could be. Um, we don't have an opinion on what people are supposed to do with that information. We feel like everybody gets to decide their own life. But we want to make sure that the negative experiences people may have had, and we know that that exists, or the negative stories people might have heard about without ever seeing it firsthand, we want to make sure that people have accurate information about what really could be. And our all-stars really exemplify all that a religious life can be. They use their talents. They use their hard work. They trust in God. Um, they've had a little bit of mazel along the way, um, and they have these major companies and organizations that are willing to work with their Shabbos and Kashras and Yantif requirements and allow them to get to the tops. And so we share their stories to show all the different things that we can contribute to the world, all the different ways that we can be personally fulfilled, and how ultimately being a Jew should enhance your life. It should take the success that you have and imbue it with meaning as opposed to put you in a little box and prevent you from accomplishing anything. So every time we go around and we've gone all around the world filming All Stars and we hear another story that we share with the Jewish people first at this event, which is going to be a Monday, December 2nd at Alice Tully Hall in the world famous Lincoln Center. Um, every time we tell another story, I feel like this is, we're kind of creating a library of pride for the Jewish people. And um, it's why I'm not quitting, even though this event planning is kind of killing me. Um, and so that's why we started doing this event. Um, and a few years ago, our organization took a little bit of a different turn, an unexpected turn. Um, I really started Jew in the City to kind of show the world what being Orthodox was like through my vantage point, through my experience. And I live in the modern Orthodox world, I would say the right wing side of it. But I know people in different communities, happy people, healthy people, um, you know, living great lives. And I thought that I had sort of a full picture of it. Well, a little bit after June the City started, we started hearing from people who had grown up with bad experiences in the firm world. 
generally mostly in the more insular communities and basically always with different abusive or dysfunctional experiences in those places. And they called me a liar and they called me a whitewasher. And it was so confusing to me because I didn't see myself as anyone like that. I thought I was telling the truth as I knew it. Um, and then in 2014, um, we heard from people who didn't accuse me of being awful. They actually just said, we had these bad experiences, but we want to be Jewish like we see on Jew in the City. Can you help us make a transition? Can you help us live a positive religious life? And from there, Project Makom was born. And we are helping people that are coming from Haredi and Hasidic situations that did not go well and connecting them with positive experiences in the religious world. And that's what we are raising money for, for this All-Stars event. So we're raising pride um, and we're raising awareness about people that don't have access to the freedoms that we spoke about to be personally fulfilled and contribute to the world. Um, and we're also raising money because this is not a small population. You know, if you had spoken to me back when I started 2000, in 2007, when I founded this organization, I would have told you that, you know, there's a few bad apples, you know, there's every community has their problems. And as I've met the people of Project Mahom, I've had to take a little bit of a, I've had to change my tune a little bit. And it's, it's, Disappointing, obviously, to see that things are worse than you thought they were. But we can't pretend that um, everything is perfect when there's problems. And you know, my rabbi always says that the greatest kiddush Hashem is being willing to confront and fix your problems, not you know sweeping them under the rug and pretending they don't exist. But saying, okay, we have a lot to be proud of, and the All Star Awards is all about pride. Um, but we're also going to be willing. We're going to be big enough and brave enough to say, and we have some issues, and let's come together now and fix them. Um, and we have um, almost 150 members in Project Mahom. In less than three years, we have had about 250 signups and have nearly 150 members. And there is a young woman who was so eloquent in describing um, her story, her journey, how Mahom has improved her life. Um, if we could make an official Mahom spokesperson, spokeswoman, Nahama Schweitzer would be it. So Nahama, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. Nahama is really, um, and you, and the English, you, be the spokesperson for Makam, gave me so much. Okay. We would love it. Um, I mean, you, and you know, based almost everyone that comes to us, you know, is bilingual. Um, Nahama, obviously the, the women generally coming from these communities have a, a better English than the men do. Um, but you, your, your handle of the language, Nahama has written several articles that you can find on Jewinthecity.com. Um, it's, you're just so eloquent and you really, you have a lot of like neshama when you give over, um, your story. So, um, I just want people to understand, like, you know, the ticket is not cheap. Um, we have a hundred dollar option if you would just want to watch the show and it's partially tax deductible. Um, and then we have a $225 option, which is the show plus an after party with food from Nobo and open bar, but you are going to be supporting stories like Nahama. So if you could tell us first a little bit, Nahama, um, where you grew up, how you grew up, what didn't work for you Jewishly? Yeah, for sure. So I grew up in Brooklyn in a very um, in an ultra-Orthodox community, very sheltered. Um, for me, being Jewish and growing up was following a certain, um, certain standard, a certain guidelines of, of rules and expectations um, that not always, that didn't always feel right for me. Um, there were a lot of restrictions of things I couldn't do and things I was supposed to do. It was a lot about looking the part and saying the right things and doing the right things and not so much 
um, feeling Jewish, feeling proud to be Jewish, um, loving the idea of being Jewish, loving Jewish practices. Um, for a long time, I actually hated the fact that I was Jewish. Um, you know, I thought we were a people that opened ourselves up for like anti-Semitism and the Holocaust was like a big, a big, a big idea of my life that I felt like I wouldn't want to be Jewish just because I'm kind of like being somebody who's waiting for another Holocaust to happen to me. Um, there was a lot of fear involved in my Judaism. Everything was about if I do the right thing, I will get rewarded. And if I don't do the right thing, I will get punished. Um, what about your conception of God? How, how was God presented? Um, God was a very scary thing. Everything, like again, everything was black and white. And so with God, it was the same thing. So if I did the right thing, God would be happy with me. And if I did the wrong thing, God would be mad at me and punish me. And when, at what age and were there any um, events that started to push you off? I guess you maybe sort of always felt like this wasn't the right fit, but was there a point in your life where you said, I can't do this anymore. I need to get out. So I think in high school is when I started realizing that I had different ideas. Um, I always, I mean, in high school, I realized I had wanted to go to college after high school and not get married and start a family right away. But in my community, I was raised that, you know, Shadokhan started at like 18, 19, and, and girls were expected to get engaged, get married, have a family right away. The idea of having a career of going to college was like unacceptable. It was actually, we were taught in high school, like we were, we had classes about how going to college is so detrimental to your Judaism. Um, and that should like be avoided at all costs. I wanted to go to college. I did not want to get married at 19 and have a large family. Um, so I think that's where when it started. Um, I I didn't, although I didn't do anything about it until I was in my early 20s, probably about like 23. Um, when I, you know, I just followed along. I did end up going to college to a Yaakov College and I give my parents credit for that because they realized this passion I had and they supported me with that. Um, so I did go to college and I, you know, I looked the part, I acted the part, um, but I was, I was very unhappy. Um, you know, there was a lot of stuff I was doing that had little or no meaning for me and mm -hmm. I didn't really want to do stuff um you know I tried looking into you know tried learning and looking into ideas on my own but um I didn't really get anywhere and I didn't really find support anywhere and I never I haven't I didn't find the right answers or anything that felt like my truth but again, I was, I was raised that what I think and what I feel doesn't really matter. It's about what the Rabbanim say and what I was taught and what the learned people say. And so 
you know, I try just going with that, doing what the rabbis told me to do um, without, you know, and kind of like squashing my, my inner truth, my inner thoughts and ideas. And then there was kind of like a, a breaking point where it was more than just questions, but you actually felt like you had to get out. Can you tell us yeah. about that? Yes. Yeah, so, um, so I just kind of, you know, after high school, I did get my degree. I started working um, and I was just, I was really unhappy and um, to the point where I was, um, I fell into a really bad depression and I was suicidal and ended up in the psych ward. And it was there that I was, you know, cut off from the world. I couldn't, I didn't have phone or email or chatting or texting anything. And being cut off from everything was when I was able to realize that living that lie, that pretend um, was just, was what had like kicked me over the edge. And if I wanted to keep living and if I wanted to live in the world, I, I had to get out. And so I got out and I, you know, I did not find Makom right away. I did not find you in the city right away. So I had just left my community. I had you know, was living um, with a roommate who I didn't know, but I was basically on my own for a very long time. I had like given up on my foot. I, you know, I left all the Jewish stuff behind. Um, I felt that, you know, those were the things that, that, you know, killed me. So I can't, I can't go there anymore. I would sit home alone on Friday nights on Shabbat and just watch TV because I was, um, you know, I was by myself. I had nothing else to do and I couldn't just sit and do nothing because that was just not an option for my health. Um, and I want to say, like, just to jump in here for a second, we've heard this story before. There's been a million articles that the, you know, mainstream media has picked up on. There have been many memoirs. It sounds just like this. The ultra-Orthodox life didn't work. There were these different problems. Nobody was addressing it. You couldn't be your real self. You had, you know, a break to nearly taking your own life. And then you left Judaism behind. And those are basically, that's how the narrative goes. And then freedom comes from leaving Judaism. And that's kind of where it stops. And everyone applauds the person for getting out of this horrible life. But your story took a little bit of a different turn. Um, and that's because of Project Malcolm. So what what was yes, different? Yes, that? and I'm so thankful for that. Um, so... I, you know, I was living like that until, but I always had a desire to learn more and to want more. I didn't just want to, um, you know, sit on, sit at home alone on Shabbat and do nothing. I, I knew there was something more out there. And so um, I had been introduced to the uh, program director of Project Makam, whose name is Zaldi. And I was told that she, I was just told that she places people for Shabbat meals like no connection to Project Makam at all. Um, and I was very reluctant to reach out to her at first because, was, you know, I wasn't, I was not in a very good place and I wasn't really, just in, you know, interested in meeting new people and just going to somebody's, you know, random person's house for email. Um, so I didn't reach out to her right away until I became like really desperate. And so I reached out to her like on a Thursday Thursday, like late afternoon. And I told her, oh, hi, I got your number from so-and-so. I heard you place people for Shabbat meals. I'm in Brooklyn. Do you have a meal I can go to? And she, 
she's like this warm, bubbly, hearted <laughs> person. And she was like, right away, sure. Why don't you come to me for Shabbat? I love Empaseya. You can come sleep over. I'm even coming into Brooklyn on Friday. I can pick you up and we can drive wow. together. And I was like, so taken about. I was like, okay. Um, and so I went to her for Shabbat and she told me about Project Makom and she told me about her own journey, you know, finding the light in Judaism. And it just, it sounded like something, like exactly what I was looking for. Hmm. And that's how I got to Makom. So now for a while, you were just only doing um, Shabbos placements at Makam. We had set you up with a bunch of different families. And I think you were a little bit hesitant to start going to events, but um, I'm a persistent bugger. Um, and I convinced yes, you to yeah. start. So tell, us, so tell us, what did you get from Shabbos host and what have you gotten from the Makam community? Okay. So um, when I started going to for Shabbat uh, to people for Shabbat, um, I was this, like, I was so withdrawn and quiet and apprehensive and everything. I was like, I'm not sure about this. Like, neither, you know, Allison is very excited about Judaism, but I'm not like that. Like, I'm not sure about this. So I came out with a lot of reservation. And I remember just like being at people's meals, being at people's houses and just being like open mouth. It was like I was in a trance because what I saw was something I had never seen in Judaism and I never knew existed. It was exactly, What was it? It was this joy, this love, this like pride of being Jewish. I was completely spelled down. I was, you know, people, I went to people's houses and the kids and the the communities there were just so happy and, and proud of being Jewish and having Shabbat and all the things that make us Jewish, like the things that I hated that, you know, kind of makes us different. These people just loved it. And there was joy and happiness there. I had never felt or seen that before. Um, and so I started going back and I went back and I went back, I started going for Chagim and I started this journey of relearning Judaism, re-experiencing what Judaism is, like from the bottom up. Mm. Um, and Allison, being as persistent as she is, convinced me to join a Malcolm Shabbaton for other single people who are in similar situations. And it wasn't until like the last minute <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I'm still going. And Allison was like, you're going, it'll be awesome. <laughs> Um, and it was awesome. I met other people who, you know, had similar journeys, similar experiences. And we, we got, we had like this whole, we have this whole support right now. Tell um, us about the birthday cake. <laughs> so one of the things we do for each other, the Mako members is that we sell it. We kind of get together for our birthdays. And when it was my birthday, I, we went to the ice cream shop and they got me a cake with, it said, happy birthday, Nahama. And that was, it was my 27th birthday. And it was the first time I had a birthday personalized for myself, a birthday cake personalized for myself. And it was such a small gesture, but it meant so much. Um, and I actually started doing it for my siblings. When it was their birthday, I got them this like mini cake and just 
got them the a chocolate block that said happy birthday with their name. And what do they think? Oh, I think they like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it makes them feel special and recognized. What about the Torah classes? You Not everybody is ready to sort of re-engage with Torah study because for some people it's too triggering, but you, you're a really intellectual type and you kind of wanted to dive in there pretty early on. So what's that been like to relearn Judaism? I mean, for me, it was like, again, like relearning everything from the bottom up and such a different uh, mindset. I was, you know, again, I was raised very black and white of like, I would learn one shot or one, one opinion on a, on a text or on a Jewish law. And that was, you know, that was, that was it. But I learned that there's so many different opinions and so there's so much gray in Judaism and gray, like in a good way where you can find, like, there's a place for everybody in the Torah. It's not just one box that you, I have to fit into. There's so many different ways, so many different paths to go down and there's a path for everyone. And through this learning, I found my way in Judaism and I, I'm still learning and I'm still finding it. But I, I have so much hope now. I have, you know, it's just a, a joy and a, a pride even. And I want to just add in something now, some of my own commentary from the first Shabbaton that you went on. Oh, no, the first Shabbos that we placed you on. That's what it was um, when you said you were so reserved. I mean, I think really the way I would describe you is you kind of came just like a little bit like crumpled, just kind of like quiet and sort of like a little bit hunched over and like, you know, removed and not really any spirit in you. And even after a year of going away to Shabbat hosts before you'd even met the group, your first host, the children saw you walking on the street and they said, is that Nahama? She looks totally different. And already with just a year of only visiting for Shabbos, yeah. you had a life and a light inside of you that had been removed. Now tell us about Israel. Israel was another thing that um, was negative to you that now has made a, a transition. Yes. Um, so for me, Israel in the past was when I went, it was like the whole, the, the holiest place. And, you know, if I have to be on my best behavior all the time, then in Israel, like I had better be good because otherwise I would be, you know, punished 10 times more or be that much worse. But a wonderful religion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, you know, for me as well, it was about like going to the Kotel and, and davening and crying and going to the Kfarim. And that's not what I wanted. I, I went the first time when I was like 19 and I, I absolutely hated it. Um, and when I joined Project Makom, at first I would hear these families and people talk about Israel and, and how amazing it is. And I was like, I don't know what these people are talking about, but it's like, uh, Israel's not that, and uh, I don't like Israel. And um, over the years, people have told me that I should go back and re-experience it and relearn it just the way I did with my Judaism. And um, so Allison connected me with uh, Manhattan Jewish Experience, who does a, a heritage trip to Israel every summer. And I went and I redid it and it was the most amazing experience ever. Again, like I relearned Israel, I re-experienced Israel from the bottom up. And I think like it's been one of the most transformative experience. experiences like so um, you know, came back with a 
pride about about being Jewish. I didn't have before. So much so to the point you said, maybe even one day I'll make Aliyah. That was a pretty big. uh... Yeah, (laughs) I do. I definitely want to go back. And like, I definitely think about like maybe living there one day. And so. So for, um, I guess, two, two things. Um, one, for the people that are out there listening now, um, you know, there's a lot of causes to support in the Jewish people. Thank God we, we care a lot about, you know, sort of all different types of people in need. Um, and I don't know if this cause is on so many people's radar at this point, um, because for the modern Orthodox world, it's not quite as close to home. You know, for the Haredi world, I'm not sure if we're so known yet. Um, could you speak a little bit to why um, Project Makom Jew in the City is an important cause to support? Yes, Project Makom literally saved my life. Um, I, you know, I've said this before to you and I've said it to other people, but I could have just, you know, after my, you know, my stay in the hospital and after my depression, I could have just, you know, moved on with my life, like, you know, done work, you know, been healthy and wholesome to some extent, you know, just, but there would have always been a part of me that would have been missing. Um, I I feel like so much of who I am is being Jewish and, and, and it, you know, kind of like attending to those needs and to, to that aspect of it. Um, Project Makom Heal the Jewish part of me that you know that was hurt and that I hated and that was always a part of me and I just feel like Mako made me wholesome and healthy again um and there's you know I know that the modern orthodox world like you guys just go on with your lives you live your life but you don't realize what you have in terms of your Judaism that people like me have no idea exists we have, you know, we have this, this negative perspective on Judaism that's full of, of pain and hurt. And, you know, you have such, you have something, I feel like you don't even realize how amazing it is. And for you to share that with others is, it's so important. It's, um, you know, you can, you're going to save Jewish lives by supporting Makom. So beautiful, Nukama. And for in like our last two minutes, um, what we have, if we have anyone out there listening who has a similar background to you but has not reached out to Makom yet, um, what would your advice be? You know, if they're feeling alone and like there's no hope, reach out to Makom. Um, it's it takes a lot. It's um, you know, you you can reach out anonymously. Oh, I don't know about that. If you could or not. But, no, meaning you could. Like, look, as we need contact information, you could give us your first name. Um, we, we can, we can work with you cause it's, what's scary about it? What's scary about filling out that form online to get started? Um, it's, you know, it's, I think for me, it was like taking a step into the unknown. It's, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of outing yourself to your family or your community, but we are anonymous, right? But it's still for yourself. If you're doing that and you're doing it secretly, it's, it's almost like another lie that you have to live another pretend it's mm-hmm. very, it's a hard step. It's, it's, it takes a lot of courage. Um, but do it, just reach out anonymously if you need to do it at first and see what they have to offer, because 
what what you what Makom has is it, it's beautiful. It really is. And it can change your life and it can make it so much nicer and better. And you don't have to live in pain and confusion your whole life. There's a whole bunch of us who are on the same journey as you and we can support you and be there for you. I love it. Last minute. What was the all-stars like you went last time? Oh my God. The all-stars was the, it was so amazing to see Orthodox people who are so committed to their Judaism and still have such successful careers in their lives, you know, in their lives. To me, it showed me that you can have it all. You can be Jewish, you can be Orthodox, and you can be successful, integrated in the world. It was, it was so encouraging and inspiring. And really this event, you see every type of person from Hasidic to ex-Hasidic to modern to Yeshivish to Lubavitch to Sephardic and everything in between. And it's, it's so beautiful that just, you know, all of Kalei Israel gathering together. And we're, we're so careful to find all-stars from across the spectrum to show that it can look like any different pathway, that there's all different ways to get there and to live this beautiful, fulfilled life. So Nechama, thank you so much for sharing your story and um, for letting people know our, how important our work is. And we wish you continued healing and light and growth on your Jewish journey. Thank you. Thank you and thank for being there. Of course, always. And thank you so much for listening. You can get your tickets, jewinthecity.com slash events. Okay, I'm going to give you guys a coupon code because I'm nice. J-I-T-C friends. The J-I-T-C and F are all capital and then the rest is lowercase. If you go to our website, you buy tickets. I'm giving you a coupon code for $30 off just because we're friends here. J-I-T-C friends, all capital for the first five letters and then lowercase after that, $30 off. We'd love to see you on December 2nd. It's going to be an incredible celebration. Thank you so much for listening, for listening, and we will catch you same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.